This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. Today is a special episode. I interviewed this gentleman live and in person in Steamboat at our event there. He was one of the keynote speakers. He's the author of a book called Redneck Resilience. I mean, his story, when you get into it and to provide some context, uh, is, is one of multiple, multiple events in his life that he had to overcome, starting at a young age with his tongue being chopped off and having to, without anesthesia, without any help whatsoever, be held down not once, not twice, but three times to have his tongue reattached in his mouth. Goes back a little ways. Incredible story, but gross story, but I mean, an amazing story nonetheless. Fast forward to uh, lots of resilience in his career, financially. At one point, his wife having cancer, and upon learning that, he learned he himself had cancer. I mean, the story goes on and on. Wait till you hear all about what this gentleman has been through. His name is James Webb, and I'm going to give him a proper read into his of his bio, and then we'll go right into the episode. So James' story career started as a radiologic technologist in his home state of Mississippi. After moving to Dallas in 1983, he began working as the director of radiology at a local hospital and, for the next 13 years, worked on the executive team for various medical imaging companies. In 96, he started his first of several companies and became a key leader in the industry. After more than 40 years in the medical field, he turned his focus to the fitness sector, becoming one of the largest Orange Theory franchises in the country. James owned and oversaw the management of 33 Orange Theory fitness franchises throughout North Texas. And his most recent endeavor includes an agreement to develop and open at least 18 Be Balanced centers throughout Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. That part of his story also very significant. He attributes a majority of his success to the relationships, both personal and professional, that have inspired and motivated him to achieve greater things. We talk a lot about relationships in this interview. Currently, he lives in Frisco, Texas with his wife, Kathy, and together they have five children, uh, Elizabeth, Max, Joey, Kristen, and Carly, and four grandchildren. He's proud of all of his children, and Max is already following in his father's footsteps as a published author uh, with his first article. Really cool stuff. Wait do you hear this guy's story. Wait do you hear the emotion of this interview as we go through and talk about uh, Kathy being his second wife and the loss of his first wife to cancer, as I mentioned a moment ago, how he had a rebound from that, what that means to him to this day, how he cries every other day still to this day about just the missing of that relationship and, and how it plays in his new relationship today. Boy, that and a ton more in this incredible interview. So be sure to subscribe, like, comment, let us know what you think of this uh, interview with Mr. Webb. Other than that, enjoy James Webb. James, welcome. Welcome, Jamie. Thank uh, you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, uh, you credit a lot of your success to relationships, both personal and professional. If we could start on the professional side, how do you create and cultivate good relationships that, that, you know, that last on the professional side of things? Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of true honesty of, of, putting it out there and letting people know, hey, here's my position on something. This is where I stand. Where do you stand? Let's get together on the same page. Uh, but also, 
I think I was able to get people to trust me because I was straightforward. I always tried to be straightforward. And it kind of helped in my early in my career, developing close relationships with the co-workers, which led to relationships with managers. I was always a big believer in having a personal relationship with my boss, hmm. my managers. I always push for that, go to their house, have a picnic, whatever we could do yeah. to develop that personal relationship. But it was genuine for me. Uh, and, and it's been that way all, all my career. It's always been reaching out to my bankers, getting to know them, making sure that there's a birthday reminder on my phone. So I make sure I send them a birthday card or a birthday reminder. Uh, always being there for them so that they'll be there for me when I need them. 100%. The, on the, some of our listeners are, are you know, W-2 employees that seek to be entrepreneurs one day. Building a relationship with the boss is interesting. Have you, got, have you met resistance on that? And do you have anything that allowed you to get around that? Is it just a long game, which is resilience? Or, or is it, I don't know, I'm just kind of curious how, you, how you've cultivated maybe more difficult boss relationships, if you had any. Yeah, the problem is that when I had the difficult boss relationships, I couldn't cultivate it. Mm. And it wasn't for me. Mm. That's just not me. If I can't develop that relationship, I understand the role of the boss. They're the boss. Mm -hmm. I never tried to supersede that, but I wanted to get to know them personally. I wanted to be a friend, and I think that's important. I want them to know me so that when opportunities come up, they know they're investing in the right person, yeah. in the right employee. Uh, I, I had a couple of bosses that I couldn't do that with, mm -hmm. and I wasn't there very long. <laughs> I was going to ask. Pivot quickly? Uh, 18 months. Okay. Yeah, I gave it that long. Now, on the other end of that, you being uh, an employer now, you have a large, large organization. Um, what does it take for somebody in your organization to befriend you? Yeah, and that's interesting because you, you, you can kind of pick out the fake ones pretty quick. Yeah. And so I look for that. And that's what I'm kind of curious about. Listen, I have employees. I care about my employees. Uh, I bring them into my business. I invest in my employees. I invest time and energy. But I also have expectations. And I have this thing in my, my belief that if you fire someone and they're surprised, then you have not done your job as a manager. You haven't developed that relationship, nor have you set the expectations and told the expectations and invested in that employee. So I'll invest in them. I'm okay if they invest in me, personally. I can figure out if it's genuine or not pretty quick. Yeah. But it really doesn't matter if it's genuine or not if they're not doing their job. All they about, still yeah. have to do their job. All about accountability, accountability. on both sides. It yeah. is. It you, is. You're holding yourself ultimately accountable as the boss to ensuring that they're trained properly, and it's about holding them accountable. Too. Trained properly. They know the expectations. Here's the numbers. Here's what we need to be at. You got X, Y, and Z to get there. If you're not there, I need to know why. And oh, by the way, I'll see you Saturday for a beer. We'll have a good time. I love that. I used to say in my in my corporate job when I had it, uh, whenever some I was onboarding somebody new to me, even if they were a manager or a director or whatever reporting to me, um, look, what happens between eight and five, nine to five, whatever has to happen, but that doesn't mean I don't want to have a drink with you afterward, right? Like this is the business of it and we have to get something done, but the personal side doesn't have to be sacrificed unless to your point, it's disingenuous. Yes, Fair. you just have to, be able to pick that out and figure that out. And it happens. It does. How do you, by the way? How do you? Because you know, when when people are not genuine, I think that there's probably a a genuine desire to to befriend you, and then they just kind of go about it the wrong way, and maybe start making mistakes. And uh, how do you fake uh, spot the fake, if you will? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, the whole you you could tell when you're getting sucked up too too hard. You just sure. can tell it. Sure. Uh, but it also is about job performance. Yeah. I don't mind if they want to push it a little far. I can draw the line <laughs> as long as they're doing their job. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, yeah. So you kind of recognize it, and then you go, well, they're doing their job. Okay, I'll live with it, but I can draw the line. That makes sense. How, um, 
How do you evolve past relationships or do you? When do you know it's time to let go? Yeah, that's funny. I, yeah, I make a silly joke that I've fired over 500 people and 498 still send me Christmas cards. Interesting. Because you, you make the relationship, they know the expectations. If they're not getting the job done, you're not doing your company any good, and you're really not doing them any favors keeping them employed. Mm. So if they're terminated in the proper fashion, I'm a huge believer in severance. Mm. I don't contest unemployment unless they've stole money from me. Sure. And that's another story for another time. <laughs> yeah. she, she's yeah. still in jail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is another story. Let me write that down. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's just about cultivating relationships, performance expectations, and it's sometimes you just know when it's time to draw the line. That's amazing. How, how, how accurate is that? I know that's a, it's a stretch, but 500 and 498 Christmas cards or whatever, but is it a high percentage of folks that you've had to let go that still consider you personally a friend or at least appreciate the relationship they had with you when they had it? I can honestly say that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the two that will never talk to me again. I get it. <laughs> Always going to have a few, right? Yeah, yeah. but um, it, it's not uncommon to get a call from someone that I've terminated 10 years ago, 15 That's years ago, just touching base. And, you know, to be honest, social media also makes it a lot easier to stay in touch with people. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I fired them because they were bad people. I fired them because they weren't qualified for the job or they couldn't get the job done. But I also made sure that they went in the right direction. Yeah, care. Well, yeah, it wasn't uncommon to recommend them to somebody else. Look, they're not good at this, but they're great at this, so hire them. Yeah, makes sense. On the personal side, uh, when I say that, personal relationships that serve you, what comes to mind? Who, what, what does that mean to you? Personal relationships that you've leveraged for the success that you've had. Yeah, my, mine goes really back to the beginning of my uh, career, my high school, or my, my growing up minister of music at our church. Mm. Developed a relationship with him, a personal relationship. Yeah. And uh, he, he's the gentleman that offered me the little tiny scholarship to go to the local junior college uh, to sing in the choir yeah. and gave me $250 a quarter to go to school on. Uh, and that was a personal relationship that benefited me. And, and you know, I love that man to this day. Yeah. And so I had a lot of those. And then on the family side, one of the things I strongly believe is about that personal relationship with your significant other. It takes a special kind of significant other to support you as you're an entrepreneur, as you're putting in the hours, as you're putting in the work and the time. And and for me, my, my first one wasn't supportive of me, and it, did, it didn't last. It's unfortunate. Mm. Uh, my, my second wife, she got it, and we had a great relationship, and she was very supportive. Uh, of, of my work ethic and, and what I had to do to get us to where we needed to be as a family. Mm -hmm. And so personally, you know, I looked to that and then to the rest of the family for that same kind of support. Let me make sure I'm there for them, but you guys got to be here for me too. Amazing. Your second wife, uh, uh, Marsha, passed, correct? She did. And you're, you're remarried how many years? Kathy and I have been married six years now. Six years. Um, I, I was curious to ask you this, and, and pardon me if I'm going too deep on this, sure. but uh, – I wonder about that. I, I'm with the woman. I'm married, for instance. And I know a lot of guys that listen to this podcast are married to the person they believe is their, their true soulmate. And I'm sure uh, with, uh, with Marsha, it sounds like you two connected on that level, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's somebody very close. I can't imagine going through watching somebody that you love that much pass.
What's going on, everybody? It's Jamie. I'm jumping in real quick here because some people are listening to this podcast thinking, man, I hear this guest. I hear what they're talking about. This whole GoBundance thing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be a part of that. And I would say to you, if you are qualified to be part of GoBundance, you're a millionaire or accredited at the very least, jump on to GoBundance.com and just put your application in. You'll get on a call. It might even be with me where we can talk about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, and what it is to be part of this community in depth. Would love to have a conversation with you about that. It's been just so life-changing for me. And for those of you out there that are saying, yeah, sounds great. I would if I were a millionaire or if I were accredited, but I'm not there yet. We've got that now. We've built a program and I run it. I love, love being a part of it. I left my job for it called Emerge and Ascend. Emerge is where you got to start. It's a 12-week intensive sprint goal-setting course. You're going to get curriculum every week. You're going to get live intervention every week. You're going to get connection with GoBundance members every week. You're going to get accountability from like-minded people every week. Jump into that, kill it, and we invite you to Ascend, which is essentially the GoBundance Mastermind without the million-dollar requirement. And we actually even add in coaching to help folks find their purpose, their mission, their values. It's intense. It's, it's everything all wrapped in one. So again, if you're a millionaire or you're at least accredited and you're wondering about this GoBundance thing and that should I, shouldn't I, just apply. Throw your name in. You lose nothing. All you do is put your name into an application form. You get on a phone call and then you decide. If you're not yet at that million dollar mark, look at Emerge. GoBundance.com slash Emerge. And what you can do as well is drop my name in there, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and we'll knock 200 bucks off the tuition for Emerge. Jump in there and we'll get you started on your journey toward being a whole life millionaire, toward getting to GoBundance, whatever you want. People in Emerge, people in Ascend, people in GoBundance all report back often the changes it's made in their lives financially, relationally, and everywhere else. So go to GoBundance.com, check all of that out, see wherever you are, dive into that particular area of GoBundance, and we'd love to see you inside of the tribe. Now, back to our show. How, how do you, what's the relationship with her, her, the memory of her, however you honor her to this day, what's the relationship uh, uh, for you with her now that you've remarried, now that you're with somebody else? How does that, how do you, I, I'm just curious how you went through that, how, how you came from one end to the other, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm answering that question clearly, but I think you get where I'm going. No, no but it is interesting because we, we, we talk about that often. And, and for me, you know, going into a new relationship was finding someone that not only loved me and my children, but understood that I had a past relationship right. and was accepting of that past relationship. Uh, Marsha's family loves Kathy. That's amazing. They call her their daughter-in-law. Wow. Uh, and she's fully accepting of this. She, she, we still have a picture of Marsha hanging in our house. Uh, and so she's fully accepted that. And, and, and as little as an hour ago when I was practicing my speech for tonight, and I said to her, I said, I, you know, I always, always feel uncomfortable talking about Marsha in front of you. She said, why? Still, huh? She was your wife. Yeah. You loved her. She loved you. I got it. It's okay. So, so having that kind of relationship with Kathy empowers me to keep my own mental relationship with Marsha. Do you, do you have conversations with Marsha? I don't know how spiritual you are, but do you have conversations with Marsha? Do you, do you recollect on things? I'm kind of curious the strength. I, I don't have conversations with Marsha. What I do is I probably cry one, every other day remembering mm. and remembering the last moments. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see tonight if mm. I cried during my speech a little bit. You're getting me right now, my friend. Yeah, no. Yeah, so, so it, it's, it's, it wasn't hard to make the jump because I'm also a kind of guy that just draws lines in the sand and go, 
They talk about it, redneck resilience, getting knocked down, getting back up, but not just getting back up, finding the new path. And so I'm the kind of guy that got knocked down pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, wife died of cancer. I'm fighting cancer, trying to get through that. But when I was ready to start my new path, there was no disrespect to my old relationship. This was a new direction, a new path, and I had to find the person that was right for me. Let's talk about redneck resilience. Sure. Get off the emotional part of that. So let's talk about redneck resilience for a little bit. Why write the book? What was uh, what was the the driver for you in writing this book? You know, I had no no clue to write a book, and everybody kept telling me you should write a book based on your you story. They were smart. Write, yeah, they just it just was a constant theme, and so I did a few articles, a few things, and and finally, uh, uh, there's a side note. Kathy and I executive produced a movie and got to know some of the movie industry people, and one of them said, hey, I've got a guy that, that kind of directs you a little bit on this if you really want to do it. And I thought, oh, what the heck. Yeah. And I had I, no aspirations, as I said, that I would turn this into a business or become a consultant. That's not what I want to do. I just want to get my message out there that, hey, when you get knocked down, get back up. Mm -hmm. But don't just get back up. Find the path. Let's go. Makes sense. It's an amazing book. It's got uh, story after story after story of – I mean, nobody nobody would have blamed you for giving up three iterations ago on things, right? I mean, you, and tonight, uh, uh, as we record this, you're speaking on stage, and I, I want to honor your time. I know you got, you got to, you've you been through a lot of these podcasts today, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, when folks hear your story, the, the one after the other after the other, it's just – it's mind-blowing to hear how, you, how you, you came back so many different times. Um, what do you credit your resilience to? How did you build it? I don't know if you build it, you're born with it. I don't really know. I will say that that I had parents that demonstrated true resilience. Okay. I was able to see that growing up as a child. You know, watching my dad work 60, 70, 80 hours a week to support a family. Watching my mom decide to go back to college to become a nurse while still managing a family showed me that. Part of it was knowing also that I just didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice. And, you know, I said something when I was uh, a senior in high school. It's recorded. I've heard it myself. Hmm. At church, they were going around the room asking, you know, hey, James, what do you want to do after high school? And I said in a very high high school little voice, I want to change the destiny of a family. Hmm. And I said that when I was 17. And, and I knew that that was my driving factors. There's nothing wrong with being blue collar, but I didn't want it. You know, I wanted something more for my family, and so it, that's the bit of the thing that keeps me, okay, get back up. Were you? Do you feel like you were trying to prove anything and to whom each time that you had to, you faced such amazing advers, uh, uh, adversity and overcame that? Was no, the only person I had to prove it to was me. No, I, ne I never felt obligated. I never felt like um, this is what, you, you know, what the family wants you to do. Sure. I just felt like this was, was my passion, my drive, was to, to change my family's destiny in life and give my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, I hope, opportunities that I never had. Have, oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, have you ever you, – it's funny you said you, you've always wanted to prove it to yourself. I know people like me and many others suffer from things like, uh, like imposter syndrome at times or uh, abdicating sort of our, our – our vision or our direction in life to somebody else's influence, a parent, uh, a mentor, whatever it might be. Is that something that resonates you, with you at all, or are you just wired in such a way that you, you, you're, you're sure of who you are? Imposter syndrome doesn't really resonate, or nobody ever has, has, uh, has 
made you feel pressure to go do something that maybe you weren't quite aligned with doing? No, but I will say this. Mentors have played a huge role in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we spoke about the choir director. I mean, you go to the next one, the radiology director, who was Theory X Management. Yeah. I love her. To, I, well, she's gone now, but I loved her. But she was hardcore, yeah. let me tell you. Sure. And then to the, my next manager, who was more contingency management, it really taught me about caring for people but holding them accountable. And you learn that. And then the Barry O'Briens of the world, who took me from the clinical side of medicine to the business side of medicine. And, you know, is a quick side story. Barry and I had a falling out. And I was sad about it. And two years later, we got back together for dinner, and we kissed and made up. And three days later, he died. And I was always thankful that I had a chance to get to one of my mentors that meant so much to me uh, and make up and go forward. Mm. And so when I look back on that, I have really fond memories of Barry, and I, the bad stuff has gone away. So I had that my whole life as people not necessarily providing me you know, resources, but just providing direction, guidance, support. Amazing. No, again, relationships, it comes back to that. I, I'd like to, in the, in the, uh, with Redneck Resilience, wrap on a, a one, maybe two-part question on this. You, you, you discuss certain principles in your book, fundamental principles in your book for you. And some of these are laid out. And I, if, if it's okay with you, I, one of these jumps out at me, I won't tell you which, um, that I wanted to ask you about. But I'm going to read these off. And if you could just, which one hits you? I'm sure it's different today than maybe another day. But which one of these hits you that you want to expand on? Sure teach, coach on, whatever, in this, in this few moments that we have. So there's seven of, of them here, I believe. Invest in the people around you. Work harder than anyone else. Recognize the need for calculated risk. Hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Surround yourself with the best. The importance of good leadership and the value of mentors and mentoring. Do any of these jump out that you feel like, I got to tell this story on this? Yeah, I, I always talk about uh, hope for the upside, plan for the downside. Uh, that that's part of resilience about getting back up, being ready to get back up because mm-hmm. you're going to get knocked down. And I, I think we get so focused on 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 thinking about the top line, and which is important. I get it. You're supposed to do that, but we don't put contingency plans in place. Well, what if this happens? What do I do as a company, mm-hmm. or as a manager, as a leader, as a person? And so I'm all about thinking about. I'm going to drive this car down this highway, but what happens if I have a flat tire? Right. You know, well, I've got it in my phone. I've got three contacts. Uh, and so it's, that's a silly example, but it's always about, you know, entrepreneurs. I got it. Hope for the upside. I'm not telling you not to drive, 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 but have your contingency plans in place. Sure. Because stuff happens. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, your book is full of stuff happening. So uh, I put myself through the same exercise when I read this. And if you don't mind, I just want to ask you uh, this one last thing on recognize the need for calculated risk. Can you expand on that a little bit? What, what is that principle about? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, a lot of people get into that passion thing. Do you chase your passion? I'm not a fan of chasing passion. I'm a fan of uh, being passionate about what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. I'm going to chase passion. I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think, again, a lot of it is just because it looks cool and sounds cool and so other people are successful, calculate the risk and look at it and go, is this the direction I need to take my life and my career and my journey? Yeah. It's, it's not exact science to it. Sometimes it's a gut move. I follow my gut a lot, mm. and that's helped me a lot in my life. But but making sure that it's calculated risk, that I've thought through all the different things that can go wrong. And once I've gotten through that, then I'll figure out the good stuff. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I love the follow of your gut, by the way. Uh, it does. It seems like it served you tremendously. I follow my gut a lot. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, any time that it took you in the wrong direction? Have you ever, has your gut ever been wrong? 
Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, I don't. I can't remember. I'm sure it has. Yeah. It just it, it, it the, the bigger moments. I was lucky, and and it, it turned out to be the right decision most of the time. We talk a lot in abundance about listening to that like that 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 soft whisper that the entre- the great entrepreneurs have right that little that little thing just pulling you your gut whatever you want to call it, uh, and it sounds like you're trusting that your intuition your gut. And it's not just do it. Sometimes it don't do that. Right. 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 Sometimes right. it's the opposite. Yeah, makes sense. James, where can we learn more about you? Where can folks learn more about you, your book, all of that? Uh, JamesHarrowWeb.com is the website. Uh, the book's on Amazon. The book's on Barnes & Noble. Uh, the thing you read on your iPads, is, I forgot what that's called. <laughs> yeah, Audible or yeah. – uh, uh, yeah, not audible. But I know. Uh, uh, my wife reads. My wife and kids read off their computer. I just read a book. So. Yeah, me too. I like the hard copy. I'll do some audible, but uh, the the yeah, yeah uh, Kindle, it, Amazon Kindle, Kindle type Kindle. of thing. It's there it Kindle, is. <laughs> but the simplest thing is go to Amazon and ask for it. You can Red find Night it Resilience. there. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a great book. Appreciate your time today. Thank you, brother. It's yeah, a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. All right. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.